Hey, clickers. Welcome back to Hatsune Miku's Crack House. Episode 11. I'm your host as always, Sam Kingman. Join me as my best friend and co-host, Miles J. Miles. Last of Us 2 comes out tomorrow as of uh, when we're, uh, the episode goes live. Yes. Some would say it's the Schindler's List of video games. I feel confident saying this is the Schindler's List of podcasts. I feel very confident saying that as well. Much like Schindler's List, we are horribly misunderstood by games journalists. <laughs> One of the I, uh, great ch- channel I found. Wish I can give him a shout out, but I, I do not have my phone in front of him. I forgot the, the username. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. No, how embarrassing would it be if you forgot someone that you had to shout out on this podcast? It's almost like we had to reset the show a couple <laughs> minutes ago because of a certain someone viewer. else forgot someone. Yeah. Um, but no, the, the channel basically, they uploaded a video today when we're recording this uh, detailing that whole beef and it's hysterical. The whole, the whole like Last of Us 2 Schindler's List and everything that came out from that is oh, yeah. so fucking funny. Dude, I think I have to play this game. I just gotta be honest with you. I'm gonna get this. I think I'm gonna get Last of Us 2 Day 1 and play it. <laughs> Honestly, genuinely. here's the thing. If you do, I will also and we will do that next week. It's gone too far. And I, so let's, for a little bit of background, 2018, I did not play Red Dead Redemption 2 or Spider-Man or God of War. Literally any of the Game of the Year contenders for 2018, I did not touch. Yeah. 2019, I did play Sekiro, but like, I didn't really play Control and didn't really play any of the other big contenders for last year. Uh, I'm trying to think of what I even played last year, because I did play Control, and I hated you it. You played uh, Three Houses in Death Stranding. I d- oh, well, yeah. I mean, well, Death Stranding is is one of my new, f- just, like, favorites, just in general. Bro, I can't wait. It's coming out in, like, less than a month on PC. Cannot fucking wait. Yeah, no, Death Stranding and Three Houses. Three Houses was not a Game of the Year pick but it was it did win best strategy which is like a can you know there was like two strategy games that's a fucking fake win yeah it's, it's a like fake the win. uh it's like we need to stop like game awards and stuff need to stop doing shit by genre yeah because it's first of all game genre is arbitrary as sin and second of all i don't like jump force being nominated for fucking anything despite the fact that there weren't even five fighting games that came out last year but what whatever. Well my well the the one the only like legitimate win as far as I'm concerned, like the only legitimate upset win was Splatoon in twenty fifteen winning best shooter. I'm like almost not even surprised. Well yeah, well twenty fifteen had a lot of good contenders. Well it had, it had some contenders, but they were your usual breed. Yeah, and I guess that's why. Yeah. I mean I probably would have voted for Splatoon one too. Yeah. You know, even though it's like not definitely not my favorite. I've actually been getting really into shooters, but I want to talk about that later because I really need to talk about Last of Us 2 and I've been and just how the journey I've gone on with this fucking game. All right, Yeah, hit me. I've just been so infatuated with just like the drama. No game has gotten more juicy drama than this in like the last couple years since No Man's Sky. Yeah. I feel confident in saying. No, honestly, this makes No Man's Sky because, like, No Man's Sky, that game has been redeemed in in the public's opinion, and and the problems with it were transparent and obvious. Yeah, I I felt very confident in being like this. This game's not going to live up to the the hype when that game was coming out. Yeah, it really was like not sold on it at all, uh, and I ended up being right, thankfully, because uh, I did not want to eat crow <laughs> crow on that. But with Last of Us Two. Just from, like, Bruce strangely leaving all the way at the beginning to constant delays to the big-ass leak to 
currently now that reviews are out, everyone's like, well, Sam, what do you got to worry about? All these reviews are super highly rated. Well, do you know why they're so high rated? Because the game is super dark. Oh, no. I did not know you were going there. No, I'm like, I'm dead fucking serious. It is peak dark media. I don't think games have gotten darker than this it's well it's it's advertises peak dark media i'm sure there are darker games like on steam like there's probably like i there's a game it turns out about everything like i there there is i i have seen like an itch.io game about like being an abuse victim like like where the game is gaslighting you like i've seen that like there's probably one about like every traumatic experience that you could have but there's never been one that is this traditionally western media hollywood dark and, and there and what's what i found kind of interesting is that if you look at like re- review ad- aggregate sites like metacritic ever all the places that give scores couple tens mostly nines and then a few eights but then you look at the company the the publishers or the individuals that don't use scores so like kotaku doesn't use scores anymore polygon doesn't use scores anymore uh, Skill Up, who's the reviewer I watched because um, uh, I like his videos, uh, all of which don't use scores, all of which had more uh, uh, sh- uh, more harsher things to say on the game, first of all. And then second of all, what Sony said you are or are not allowed to show or talk about in your review is insanity so you're not able to talk about anything that happens in the second half of the game which more or less confirms the leaks or and you're only supposed you're able to show content from like three very specific sections according to skill up again the reviewer i watch he said it was about four to five hours worth of gameplay that he was able to show content from yeah and it was like the same one area basically yeah and it was like okay um that's sus like that's really suspect and I don't know. I, I feel two ways because I was trying to remember how spoilers were handled for Avengers Endgame because I remember that being a really big like don't spoil this. I'm so adverse to spoilers moment for people. But at the same time, I, do, I remember the re- being able to read the reviews and being able to make sense of what they were talking about. Yeah, well, well I, I think I think. It's interesting because the context of Infinity War helped since that game was a definitive sequel uh, or that movie was a definitive sequel to Infinity War. It takes place like, um, I think, a month later in the timeline of the film. Five years. Yeah. No, no, Infinity no, no, War um, Endgame is five years. The, the beginning of the film takes place a month after. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Did you see uh, Endgame? Yes, I did. Okay. Yes. Um, Along with the rest of America. Did, yes, I did. Do you agree that Infinity War is the superior film in literally every way? I don't really feel a, a, a strong way because I, I know people who are like, I've known people who uh, like one of my uh, good buddies uh, told uh, he's a big film guy. He's like Infinity War is fucking a terrible garbage movie and Endgame's actually good. How does he, say, and how then, does he think that? And then there are people who have told me that Infinity War is great and Endgame sucks. And I don't really care. I think they're of equal value. I really have no stake in the game. I, I will say this. Endgame is, is the positive ex- or the uh, Infinity War is the positive example of subverting expectations. I mean, it's cool that Thanos wins. It is dope as fuck. Oh, yeah. No, like that. Uh, and and just and the sheer amount of how much he wins is great because he wins every scene he's in. There's not a single scene where he is set back or has any problems. <laughs> just until complete, the finale. a complete yeah. domination. Yeah. Of, and that's great. Um, but uh, but yeah, and Endgame's not 
bad. I just, I was like underwhelmed. I was like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's, it, I, I, yeah, I, I just, I liked it. I had a good time. It was a fun theater go. It was a super great theater. Oh, experience. no. Well, I had the worst theater going experience ever because I had, I'm not racist. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> always great. Always great when you got a preface with that. Well, well here's the thing. Um, th- there are certain movies that you want to see in an environment with the one black guy. Because black people engage with movies in a way that, depending on the film, is so joyous. There are certain movies you want to see with the one black guy. I would want to see Endgame with the one black guy five months after it's released. Not the fucking day of. But, like, there's always, like, every horror movie I go to, there's, like, I, I went to see The Evil Dead remake in theaters okay. when, I was, when I was 16, I think. 15, 16. Um, whenever that movie came out. 2013, so I would have been 16 years old. Uh, and there was one guy, there's a scene where, where one of the characters is about to get, like, you know, possessed, or I think he gets shot with a nail gun, and he goes, Oh man, you about to learn today! <laughs> and I was just like, I was just like, this is wonderful. I was like, this is great, because I'm not scared, I'm having fun with with this film. I'm anxious, of course, you know, because it's, it's, a, it's a tense movie, and, and it's so violent, so you don't want to see the awful, violent things that happen to these characters, but when, when it happens, it's fun. So I was like, this is great. Uh, but when I saw Endgame, uh, it was with a, it was, it was, it was not the kind of movie you want to be, you want to have all the tension deflated constantly. Yeah. Um, do you remember there's that joke about Back to the Future 2. Yes, yes. Where they're discussing time travel. Yeah, like, and, and Paul Paul Rudd, uh, Ant-Man, goes, wait, so you're saying Back to the Future 2 lied to us? You know, and it was like a joke. Yeah. And he went, that's still a good movie, though! <laughs> and 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 I, I was like, no one is debating the merits of the quality of the film, just the time travel. And, and also, they can't hear you! <laughs> This is a film-going experience. And the worst thing is that we've waited 10 or 11 years for Captain America to say, Avengers, assemble. That's supposed to be the hype moment. Uh, and, and he goes, Avengers, long pause, assemble. And it's like, he says it dramatically. Yeah, nice and quiet. Yeah. Meanwhile, th- this guy, when he goes, Avengers, he goes, Assemble! <laughs> And then, and he completely steps on the line uh, long before Chris Evans says it. And a woman went, and and he was like clapping every fucking second. And a woman went, shut up! And everyone applauded in the theater. Oh, and, and well, then the worst part is we saw him after he left the theater and he brought his kid. <laughs> so he was louder than his kid. Oh my God. And that's, that's the worst kind of movie to see with that one guy. Just the absolute worst. You wanna you wanna see like a like a Transformers film. Or or like here's the other one. It's like a really lofty, like black rights political drama. Yeah, like Black Klansman or something. Uh yeah, I saw the Great Debate okay. with someone in a theater. There's a scene where during the Great Debate, they hit a man's uh pig with the car, and, and the implication is that he put the pig out in the road to die. Mm-hmm. Like um <laughs> like uh Kobayashi from part four, where he puts the cat in the road. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, for, for Koichi to run over. And it, it, it's, he's a con artist, basically. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and he, like, makes them pay for the pig, and he, you know, it's like, he they have to pay, like, $300 in, like, 1800s money, early 1920s money. Yeah. So, you know, they shell out a, a fuck ton for that pig. And, and like, someone was like, that's bullshit! <laughs> like, he's like, you don't gotta pay for that, that's bullshit! Um, and, and a similar thing happened with, uh, Fruitvale Station, the, the film about, the Michael B. Jordan film. Eric Oscar, I think his name is, or Oscar something. He was one, a very famous case of police brutality. It happened on New Year's Eve. Uh, and the story goes that he was essentially, uh, you know, he, he was talking back to the police, um, after being apprehended for being part of a prison riot involving himself or not like he was out and he saw someone else who was out of prison yeah. with him and they got into a fight on the train. And of course the other guy was white. He gets off scot-free. They, you know, they ignore him uh, and they blame him and then they shoot him. Spoilers of this real <laughs> film. Spoilers for this real event. Yeah. Spoilers for real life. Um, but, but then they, they did a, you know, an after credits role, of course, because it's based on a true story and it's like the police officer who shot him, you know, obviously got off easy yeah and someone went man that shit sucks <laughs> uh and i and i love that because it was like at, like there was no one else in the theater unfortunately um because no like, i lived in like michigan at the time no white person's going to see fruitvale station or i lived in florida not michigan no white person's going to see fruitvale station they don't care about that story and they, they'll they'll go to see the help or uh or you know some other uh, the blind side oh a movie of the white lady yeah yeah the um, <laughs> fucking what the fuck's her name Sandra Bullock Sandra Bullock they'll see that movie uh they won't see Fruitvale Station uh, but so so there was no one in the theater except for my family and this one black family behind us mm -hmm. and and the dad went that shit sucks and and I was like this is this is a great movie to watch now with with like a, a predominantly black audience, even though there's only two black families <laughs> in mine, this audience. Yeah, mine and the guy behind us. And when I say two black families, I mean two families, because <laughs> we were the only people in the theater. I got so I got two stories about about speaking up during a, a during a movie theater for you guys. The first is uh, I was with I was with my good buddy Billy, who I brought up a bunch of times in the show. Uh, we're watching we're at the midnight screening of I think Suicide Squad. And the trailer, the the initial teaser for Dunkirk plays. Now, if you remember, the initial teaser was about like 20 seconds long. And it's just a one shot of these guys looking up in the sky. It's like they hear bombs or whatever on boats. Yeah. And it ends. It just says Dunkirk. And Billy just goes, well, that sucked. And everyone started <laughs> clapping and applauding. Uh, that's a short, fun one. This one is is crazy. So let let's strap in here. So I go to see joker sometime last year when that movie came or whenever that movie came out i don't even remember oh uh, yeah last year october there about yeah, yeah year. i go to i'm like you know what i'm bored it's like wednesday night i'm just gonna go by myself to go see joker and i'm gonna shell out i'm gonna get the popcorn i'm gonna drop 20 bucks to see fucking joker today and i had a really rough uh film experience uh my umbrella i lost my umbrella um, someone was sitting in my assigned seat, so I just picked a random seat and hope no one sat there. All this shit, but at, so, and I also got there like a, a little late. So as I'm walking in, the first scene is starting to play, so I haven't really missed anything. And I sit down, I'm watching, and there's some guy, um, up front, and and he's like kind of like like just stand, he's just kind of standing up, like not not sitting down. And then you just hear this one guy from the back just go down in front, and then there's this second pause like a, a pause for like two seconds 
This guy looks back and he goes, say it in my face. And then everyone in the theater just groans and is like, come on. Like, I have never seen someone more demasculated in that situation in my entire life. Just this entire theater who's out here watching Joker telling this guy to be like, dude, just sit the fuck down. Like, sit, know your fucking place, you animal. Sit down. Shut up. Don't try to start beef in the Joker movie. That experience said a lot more about our society uh, than the Joker movie did. <laughs> then Joker, and Joker said a what? lot about our society. Oh, and Joker, Joker said uh, Joker said a lot and nothing, yep. which is which is what I, I like about that film, because I think I think people expected it to be like, oh, Joker's right. Our society is fucked. It's like, no, Joker's crazy and he doesn't know what he's talking about. But people are angry and he's good at, at making people more angry. Because like that that rant that he has that he has at the end is nonsense. But it's followed up by such a definitive action. Yeah. Which is what people want. Like we see it right now. People want actions. They don't want hot takes on Twitter. Yeah. Or or what what was the what was a hot take on Twitter essentially in that era? Yeah, I really um, like Joker. I genuinely like that film. movie. I had a that's good, a good movie. Good time at the theater. Uh, let me rephrase that. I don't know. I didn't have a good time at the theater, but I, I like the movie. <laughs> I think I think people wanted it to be more than it was, or or people were sort of hyping it up because like the staircase scene is objectively the worst scene in the dude, movie. Dude, the staircase scene is fucking awesome. The staircase, the staircase scene is really great. bad. What are you talking it's about? It's just goofy. It's just so. It's so. Out well, it's there. just. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit anything else in the movie. Like in my. Well, maybe they shouldn't opinion, have played fucking rock and roll part two. The the rock and roll is what fucks it up. <laughs> um, but nothing happens in that scene. It's it's a bad scene. Everything else about that movie, I was like, I'm on board with. And then I saw that scene, and I was like, Oh, this is what everyone latched onto. Well, it's just, it's just, it's just fucking funny. It's just so out there because the rest of the weird. movie, the rest of the movie is like this really just hard to watch. Oh, it's horribly uncomfortable. It, it is a good film as far as just like the, emo like if you're just like, I just want to feel what this movie has to say. If you go, if you go in expecting to think you're not going to, it, it, it reminds me a little bit of, of like, uh, something like High Noon. Mm-hmm. Where where that movie doesn't make any statements out loud, but the statement being made is is through the way that characters act and react. Um, High Noon is a great film uh, because it's about someone who has to do a showdown with a bad guy, and he's like, "This guy is bringing his his band. We have to stop him. We all have to band together." And everyone in the town is a fucking coward, and they're like, "No, we're not doing that." Um, and, and of course it's a parallel to, you know, to, um, to, cause it was made in the fifties. Mm -hmm. So it's a parallel to like, uh, communism, you know, people like there are, we have enemies in the United States. We have to do something. Um, you know, these Russian guys, they're, you know, they're getting more powerful and, and, uh, we need to do something. We need to do something about things overseas. Like, uh, you know, and you could argue the, the sort of like America's place in, in all of this, uh, nowadays, of course, but, but for the film and for an American centric audience, the message is things are bad out there and we can't rest on our laurels because we're afraid. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was hated actually at the time because the film was considered un-American because nobody wanted to admit in that scenario. Yeah, they would be a pussy about it and they wouldn't fight with them. And now that's the most, uh, 
That's the most relevant message, probably. Yeah. People love anti-American media. Well, well, that's the thing. Like, High Noon probably would be well-received today uh, because everyone wants to think they would be, like, the protagonist and not, like, the townsfolk, even though most likely... I know I would probably be like the town. Oh, yeah, me too. Would, me too. Yeah, I would. Uh, that that movie has a great final shot where he just looks at everyone in disgust and he just, like, tosses his sheriff's bad death. That's a great film. <laughs> While we're on the subject of great films, though, to kind of wrap it around, though, mm-hmm. people don't get movies when they play games. People don't... I'm convinced. People don't watch movies. If you're a big gamer... You don't watch movies and sort of separate that as a separate art and be like, this is a film in the way that you play a game and go, this is a game. And this has merits here and there and not not in the same way this film does. And uh, and, and I think when people are like, oh, it's like Schindler's List, when The Last of Us 2 is like Schindler's List, what people think is the... F- I'm just going to put this out there. Schindler's List is actually my favorite movie of all time. I thought it was um uh, uh Doctor Strange Love. Uh oh, I fucking love Doctor Strange. Oh oh, I forgot Doctor Strange. Uh, that was a high school like thing for me though. I don't know if I still have the same love of it that I do now. I loved it in high school. I'll have to rewatch it. Um, but I watched Schindler's List two years ago. Um, and I'm like, this is it. This shit is it because that has my favorite endings of any film. I think I think it's one of those things where the rest of the movie is a nine. And then the ending is an 11. <laughs> and it evens out. It evens out for you. Yeah, it evens out to a 10. Yeah. Because um, the rest of the film is freaking great. But, like, that ending is, like... And that's that's the problem I have, is that Schindler's List is an optimistic film. People don't realize it's about the fact that, like, there are creative things that you can do to fight back that don't involve a gun that don't involve a riot, that don't involve putting people's lives in jeopardy. And and it is a very Jewish film because Jewish media, um, you know, like... Um, like the Rugrats special. Like the Rugrats. Well, I was the- thinking Harry, like Harry and the Hanukkah Goblins. Have you ever heard of that one? Yeah, I think you've mentioned that to me. Yeah, I don't know if I talk about it on the podcast, but I talk about it a lot. But Harry and the Hanukkah Goblins is is a very Jewish film uh, or a very Jewish book. There's like a, basically Jewish folktales are like, look, we are small in number. But we're smart and we're clever, and people are not clever. They they use brute force, uh, and we can use our heads. That's how we can survive and mm-hmm. beat the odds. Um, and that's sort of right. The other thing is faith, which I don't. You know, th- those are stories. Those yeah, are stories in the Torah. I'm talking about like folk tales, things people say. There's one about like a guy who like goes to fight a witch, and the witch dies in the rain. And he, he goes to her and he says, I'm a witch too. The difference is my magic witch ability is I know how to dance around raindrops. Mm. And so he's like, I'll teach you, witch. And she's like, okay, yeah, sure. I believe it. Um, and then she melts in the rain, of course. And and Herschel and, Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins, that's the name. Yeah. Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins, is he has to fight eight different goblins on eight different nights. And he outsmarts all of them in different ways that are Hanukkah themed, except for the one about the pickle jar. That one is not Hanukkah themed. <laughs> but like, he like he tricks him. It's it's like the scene in Gabriel Dropout where they where where they make up rules for Shogi because Satania doesn't know how to play Shogi. That happens, but with Dreidel. Um, <laughs> he basically he basically rigs Dreidel so that it always works in his favor because he tells him every single side that it lands on. Means he wins, basically. (laughs) 
and and he beats him that way. There's uh, uh there's a couple different ones. Uh, there's one about the fire, like he like the candles, the candle lighting. Yeah. Um, and and so it's very clever. He beats these these goblins with his mind and his intellect. This sounds like a cute kid story. This sounds it's like great. a pretty I, fun. Like I'd love to see like a children's book of this. I, it is a children's book. Okay. Yeah, and and I would love to see a children's movie of it, even though it's probably. Not enough material for a full film. You could probably no. do like a forty-five minute, like forty-five uh, minute, thirty minute. Yeah, no, yeah, you do, you do a TV movie or yeah. like a special, an hour-long special. You know, forty-two minutes with commercial breaks. Schindler's List is is in a similar vein of Oscar Schindler uses his money and his wits to get uh, Nazis to think that these Jews are essential workers for his factory and that they are creating ammunition for the Nazi. Uh, you know, for the Nazi war front. Mm-hmm. And he, meanwhile, is basically paying them to do nothing and to and to make shells that don't work and to make ammunition that doesn't fire properly. Um, at the end of the film, it says, for four years, Oscar Schindler's factory was the model of non-production. And then at the end of the film, the, the treaty was like, he's like, all right, you all heard it. Hitler's dead. Uh, I was given direct orders to say that once the war is over, you have to kill all these Jews. Uh, and then he goes, or you can leave right now as men and not murderers. Mm-hmm. And all the Nazis are like, yeah, we we have nothing to do with this. Like, let's all go home. We lost. Yeah. And then, and then of course, since he's now an enemy, he has to flee. Um, and, and it's an amazing moment from Liam Neeson that should have won the Oscar. I'm not going to spoil it. It's worth watching the film for, but it's such an optimistic film because the end of that is like, there are so many things you can do if you just are smart and clever about it and work within the system because systems have loopholes and you can always find something. Yep. Um, yeah. And at the end of the film, like it's a testament and a triumph of the human spirit and of kindness uh, to people. And, and, and essentially it demonstrates Oscar Schindler's endless care for life. And how much he he cares. Amazing scene, and it and it makes you feel like it, it makes you feel like you've witnessed a real life hero. I'm not gonna feel, feel that, that in The Last of Us too. <laughs> I I I because I think because because Last of Us has always been the the pinnacle for game to film comparisons. Because I remember a lot of people saying Last of Us One was the Citizen Kane. It was our gaming. Citizen Kane. Yeah. Which which by the way. Is not true. We already had a Citizen Kane. The Citizen Kane of gaming is called Super Mario Brothers on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah, which is the moment games became art in the same way the moment that film became definitively... Like, at the time, it was like, movies aren't art. Plays are art. Stage plays are art. Um, and that was the moment where it was like, no, you don't understand. Because there's 12 Angry Men. That's an incredible film. I recently saw that. Um, but that is very much a stage-to-film adaptation. Oh, yes. doesn't really use film that much. And that was a moment where it's like, no, you don't understand. Film can tell stories. Stage cannot. We can do that. We have montage. We have, you know, uh, visual effects, uh, seamless transitions, matte paintings to create these impossible visuals. Like uh, his mansion, yeah. Um, you know. Painted by Walt Disney, by the way. Really? Yeah. Is that true. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Walt Disney himself did the painting for this castle in the opening. That's incredible. We have a crow that yells. 
uh, <laughs> to wake the audience up. There are things that films can do. And Super Mario Bros. was the moment where it's like, look, games can have can be long-form, sustainable. Because like a lot of arcade games, it's like, okay, our levels are just score chasers. The AI gets better. Yeah, it's just or a like, board, yeah. Yeah, the board gets better. And, and Super Mario Bros. was like, no, we can have a very curated 32 levels. Of progression, uh, with secrets, you know, with with the warp zone, and and with with uh, like really realistic physics, not gamey physics. We can do all these things that that prove games are something you can't get elsewhere. You can't replicate this experience from a basketball game, from chess, because we have the advantage of of programming. So so if you're smart, not a fucking idiot. And not a fucking basic bitch. I guarantee you that fucking guy has never seen Schindler's List. Oh, probably not. Probably not. Well, well, and I will say this: Gigaboots also was like Schindler's List is about the harshness of 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 the Holocaust. And I'm like, you fucking idiots are posers, and you haven't seen Schindler's List either. I'm going to challenge you on that. If you fucking seen Schindler's List, tell me what happens. <laughs> tell me what happens when Ralph finds. Falls in love with a Jewish woman. Tell me how that scene goes, you fuck. Tell me what happens when Ralph Fiennes shows mercy to that one Jewish boy who can't clean his bathtub right. You fucking tell me what happens in that motherfucking scene. I dare you. Uh, they're not going to hear this. They don't care about us. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but but I'm, I, I, I guarantee you most of these people who are making these comparisons saw one scene of Schindler's List. Probably the scene where the boy jumps down a toilet. <laughs> They've probably seen that one. I uh, I have not seen Schindler's List, so I'm not going to comment on what has or has not happened in the movie. Well, yeah, but you didn't make a Schindler's List comparison. Yeah, well, I did. Technically, I did say our podcast was the Schindler's List of podcast, but We're, our our podcast is not the Schindler. Ah, uh, well, I, I don't know. We had that. We had that really empowering anti nihilism rant that one time. Yeah, it was good. That's kind of a not Schindler's List ending. But still, the, the point the point of the matter is, Last of Us 2 is not Schindler's List. Last of Us 2 probably shouldn't be compared to anything remotely good. I Well, I, I, I said this on Twitter. The Last of Us 2 is I Spit on Your Grave. It's an exploitation film. It's just sad. It just That's what I get from all these reviews. They're all consistent in one thing, is that this is a game that is not, it has no hope. Has, yeah, our goal is to make you feel awful. But, like, if you want to do that, you got to, like, A, make your game, like, two hours long because I don't want to sit through 25 hours of a, a hate-filled nonsense and the game not even be good or have any yeah. redeeming, you know, quality outside of I have to put myself through an emotional stranglehold in order to experience it. I Well, our, I, I am declaring it now. Next week is going to be... The Last of Us Two. We all we both played it. I'm, here's one. the deal. I've already. I, I'm genuinely. I'm pissed. I'm actually genuinely pissed off that GameStop is closed because I wanted to a get that game pre-owned. B because I do not want to support fucking Neil Druckmann. And no. B, I, I don't. I want to return this game. I want yeah. to play it and then get rid of it as soon as possible. Yeah, I, I'll have to find a way I can return it because I I don't want this game i just have life. to i i just have to download it because i don't even i don't even because that's the thing is i because amazon's gonna fuck me because amazon's fucked me at least four or five times when i've ordered something from them and they never deliver it on time as far as games goes games specifically they never deliver on time to me when they're out due the same day so i'm probably just gonna download it i'll i'll eat i'll eat the 60 bucks because i need to You're have gonna eat the mayo I, I, I'm gonna eat the mayo. I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna pay the sixty bucks, and I'm gonna play it. I just need to 
to see how low we go. I need to have an opinion for to discourse, even though I'm not going to be partaking in any significant capacity well, outside of this we're podcast. Do it on the maybe podcast, yeah. yeah, we'll do it on the podcast. Uh, although won't, there won't be much discourse since I, I feel pretty confident we're probably going to agree with each other on most things. I I'm probably going to have a more varied opinion since I I'm I'm pretty good at at like finding those moments or finding finding the things that are interesting to talk about but i'm probably gonna hate it yeah i don't think i'm gonna i'm going to particularly like it i think at the end of the day i'm probably gonna find it to be like okay that's like I'll my prediction find the gameplay all right yeah i just don't i just based on like what i've seen i'm feeling not very confident but still i, I do want to give it a genuine i do want to give it a fair genuine shake because I do, I I can't speak for you, and we've talked about it before. I like The Last of Us 1. I yeah, like I, that game. I, don't I do as well. love it. But I don't really even think it's great, but I do think it's good. Like, genuinely good. Yeah, I think, I think well, I will say this. Uh, the game has a great, it reminds me of Resident Evil 4 in that it's got this great lockstep pattern to the gameplay that makes it fun to play for a, a little while. Like, Resident Evil 4 is like, shoot, loot, repeat. Shoot, loot, or, or shoot, loot, puzzle, repeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, shoot, loot, quiet time, repeat. And, and like, looting is the quiet time, of course. Same with The Last of Us. But they, they intermix more story into the quiet time, which I'm not personally a fan of. I don't like hearing... First, I don't like Ellie. I think she sucks. I, I think I, she's the most annoying fucking, like, market-tested character. I think <laughs> Besides Elizabeth. Elizabeth is probably worse. Yeah, oh, um, Elizabeth is way worse. From Bioshock Infinite, by the way. Uh, yeah, Bioshock Infinite. Well, have I, have I ever done my rants about lollies on here? No. Where, like, uh, well, I'm a big fan of children in media. I like seeing really realistic depictions of children. Something like The Goonies or, or The Gate, where, where obviously it's written by an adult, you can tell, but, like, the decisions they make, very childlike. The, thi- the the activities they engage in, the way that they see the world, the way that they drive themselves, very childlike. It doesn't. I don't need childlike dialogue where kids are stumbling over their lines and stuttering. Yeah. Uh. Um. And you know all these things. But like, I like stories that that have kid logic driving them. Uh, like like a Spy Kids. Spy Kids is a very good example. That movie is written le- like the way that a child would solve problems. Mm-hmm. Um. And um. Uh, and, and, uh, lollies are, like, not kids. They're, they're tropes and schema that make you want to hug them. They're, yeah. like, made in a lab. Lollies are made in a fucking lab. Um, and, and they just, they annoy me rather than make me want to, like, hug and protect them. Um, yeah. You know, and that's, that's media. Of course, you, you make characters a certain way to engage people, but. Fuck lollies, dude. Fuck <laughs> but don't fuck them. Don't uh, fuck them. <laughs> well, well and, and and like the lolly aesthetic, I like the way that they look visually for the most part. Um, but like then they open their mouths, and I'm just like, I hate you. <laughs> I, I hate you so much. Um, so so like Ellie really feels like market tested teen. Um, <laughs> she she is when when you think of like teen, you think of Ellie. Um. <laughs> It's like, oh, what? Do, what? Do, <laughs> fucking the damn teens. <laughs> what? Do, what do teens like? Oh, teens make jokes about jerking off. Yeah, and they say fuck a lot. Yeah, they say fuck when given the opportunity. They go, hey, fuck you, <laughs> the, the Bill, you. F- <laughs> 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 uh, 
poor Bill. Do you remember the scene where? Do you remember the scene where Ellie <laughs> shames Bill for masturbating to men? Uh, wait. Oh, hold on. Ben's bagged this up. What? There's a scene where where so Bill. By the way, Bill is a jerk. We know that. But I love. But Bill is my favorite character jerk. in that. Bill's my favorite fucking character in that game because that man is crazy. He doesn't give a fuck. But hey, he's out here surviving, and he looks. He's doing pretty well if he's that fat. Yeah. Um He's eating good. He's he's he's, he's eating that sick uh, sick ass infected puss, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, he doesn't eat puss because. Puss. It's revealed that he's gay because he he sees he meets his partner and and the thing is you hear partner and you think oh my partner in survival yeah like how Tess is Joel's partner in yeah survival. Joel's partner and they 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 make it clear that they're not romantically engaged yeah uh, and then you you find his partner and he's a guy and and you read his letter and there's there's some love confession elements to it and then it's confirmed in the most tasteless scene of all time when Ellie steals his porn uh, and wouldn't you know it all of his porn is gay magazines um and and she's like she's like making fun of like the male form and and she's like why are these pages all sticky and i get that it's you know she's a teen like teens make those kinds of jokes yeah allegedly um i would have in high school of course uh but but i'm like this is kind of tasteless because it's different in real life you know in a way where like it's not being broadcasted to billions of people. Yeah, iconic LGBT ga- video game icon uh, Ellie uh, making fun of gay porno magazines and Bill. For, to be uh, fair, she is a real life lesbian in that she hates everyone who's not a lesbian. Very, very <laughs> realistic depiction of lesbians. I Ellie would be a fucking turf. I'm just gonna say it right now. <laughs> Ellie would be a fucking turf, dude. <laughs> I, I I will stand by this. I don't give a fuck. If Neil Druckmann comes out and be like, no, Ellie loves everyone. No, Ellie would be like, nah, man, nah, they got dicks. They're not, they're not chicks. They're going- <laughs> Ellie would fucking, she would fucking stand by that, dude. She would be, she would get on Twitter like J.K. Rowling. Yep. And she would say some dumb shit. Just like J.K. Rowling, she would be like, look, I, I just, I believe that women ovulate. And if they don't ovulate, they're not. And she would fucking stand by it. And when people try to cancel her, she would, she would be like, I've I've walked on the coals of oppression as a lesbian. She'd pull that shit. She would be a fucking turf. Ellie's a turf, dude. Fuck that's Ellie. the fucking that's Fuck the Ellie. truth. Yeah. Um but like Ellie Ellie is obviously an LGBTQ character, of course. Um but but she's still they're like, well, she wouldn't be sensitive to the issue these, you know, to this guy's plight. She's a teen. Yeah. Uh, teens make jokes about jerking off. And 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 we can't have a joke about Joel masturbating. That would be weird. Um, but we can't have one about Bill, the gay man, masturbating. Yeah. Um, and so I've always been like, that's tasteless. I mean, I, I'm Neil Druckmann. I, I think every attempt at representation he makes is a pathetic failure. Name all the name all the black people who live in The Last of Us One. Yeah, no, I can't think of any. Yeah, because they all die. They all die. All four of them die. And and the the one that really pisses me off is Riley uh, in the DLC. Because yeah. Riley is marked for death. We know that from Ellie's speech at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm also going to talk about the fact that Neil Druckmann didn't make Ellie a lesbian and that he's the biggest hack of all time. Um, but, but Riley is dead, as we know. Yes. And so you're like, okay, Riley is dead. I've killed all three of our major people of color characters. In the game. 
So let's make Riley black. So not only is she the first character to die, but also she's a lesbian who dies. That's two tropes. That's the black person dies first and barrier gays. These are two famous hated horror movie tropes uh, or just storytelling tropes in general, which is that if there is a gay couple, both of them or one of them will die. Mm-hmm. And if there's a black character in a horror setting, they will die. They're the expendable race. So by those, by that logic, if you're woke, you would think, okay, well, I understand I would like Riley to be black, but that would be problematic if I made her black. He's like, let's make her black for extra points. I don't care that she dies. I know she dies. Let's make her black for extra points. Um, and the other thing that I brought up is that Neil is like, Ellie's a lesbian. This is important. Ellie was not a lesbian in the original draft, and she wasn't a lesbian going into production. While reading the script, Ashley Johnson, Ellie's actress, uh, according to a story that I heard, I, I never watched the the thing, but my sister did, and she told me about this, and I, I believe her, um, but she, uh, allegedly, she was reading the script, and she said, hey, is Ellie in love with Riley? And Neil was like, I, I, I didn't really make a decision on that either way i left it open-ended mm-hmm. uh and ellie and and ashley johnson was like i'm gonna play her gay because actors make decisions you know of course um and so she's like that i think this is the most interesting choice for the character and for my performance so i'm gonna play that she was in love with riley um and and so neil was like i'm gonna steal that and i'm gonna pretend that this is an important thing to me <laughs> Neil's a fucking... Sc- I hate that man, dude. I, I, like... I hate everything about him. I think... I, I do believe he forced Amy Henning out of Naughty Dog. I don't... I don't believe... Oh, I think story. that's true. I 100% yeah, think that's true. Absolutely true. Um, They threw out her nearly done Uncharted 4 script. Like... Yeah, he threw out on. her near... And then... Yeah, and then he shot her as we went over. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, And then... um, And, you know, and of course he crunched everyone to keep the game on track. Uh, and then Bruce Straley left, probably because he hated him after making them crunch. For so fucking long. Especially because Bruce Straley was the director of gameplay. Yeah, he was the game game director. Game director. He got the brunt of it. Like, I'm sure Neil made the game. He he oversaw it briefly, and then he ate sandwiches in his room. I think Neil wrote the script, I feel... I'm, I'm pretty sure he did all the, the, the scripting and the dialogue. I think so I him. wouldn't know what his contribution to the game was after, the, after writing it. Okay, after writing it, yeah. Yeah, but the point is... Bruce Straley would have been on ground zeroes that entire time directing the game. Yeah, and, and and probably waking up early and going home late. If going home at all, knowing the games industry. And and Neil probably did very little after writing the script. Probably did very little. He probably moved on to The Last of Us 2 uh, at that point. Yeah, because I don't think Straley was involved at all with The Last of Us 2. I, I genuinely think there was conversations where Uncharted 4, like, we're wrapping up Uncharted 4, we're going to do Lost Legacy, and then I... I did, was, did Straley leave after Lost Legacy or before Lost Legacy? I think he left before Lost Legacy, but let me look up. Because it was whenever Uncharted... Because Last of Us 2 was announced, and then, like, a week after it was announced, Bruce Straley went on sabbatical. So the, the thing is, Bruce Straley... The game was announced in 2016. The director was not Bruce Straley. Uh, for Lost Legacy? Yeah, it also okay. wasn't written by Neil. Probably creative director or supervisor. B-team. Or like yeah, that. B-team work. B-team, yeah. Similar to, like, probably what we're seeing with Insomniac, uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales, like, later this year. Like, standalone yeah. B-team kind of game. Yeah, Um. but, like, it... it so, so he definitely left, probably because... 
Neil didn't give a shit about his well-being, and he made him crunch. Because, um, like, really think about that scenario there. He threw out a, a, a script, probably set their production back several years. For sure. I mean, from Last of Us 1 to uncharted 4 that was three years and you also have to keep in mind too that work on so naughty dog for work on uncharted 3 and last of us was split that's how yes. we got uncharted 2 in 2009 3 and 11 um last of us in 13 and then the full team goes to work on uncharted 4 and it takes them three years yeah and and assuming amy henning was working on it prior she probably had the script done around the time the last of us came out maybe even before yeah. Which would give them a comfortable four years of production, probably a year of pre-production after the game ended. And since you have the engine already, of course, you know, and, and all these things, um, that cuts down on development time, of course. Yeah. Well, they used a new engine for Uncharted 4. Did they really? Well, yeah, it was next gen. Oh, duh, you're right. Well, I, I'm pretty sure you can use certain engines um, between uh, generations. Certainly, but the jump between Uncharted 3 and Uncharted 4 is extremely vast in terms of that's, graphical that's fidelity and capability. Yeah, but but so so even so, if that's the case, they probably had to develop the new engine too. Um, at some point, it might have been handled by a different team. You know, not the Last of Us team or not the Uncharted team, but either way. So so he basically set the project back a very good amount of time for his ego, and then wasn't really on the ground floor that much after the fact. Yeah, I would love to speak with someone who worked on Uncharted Four to confirm that. Honestly, yeah, we can't. This is all speculation, of course. Um, but. I, Bruce basically got thrown under the bus so that Neil could write his terrible fan fiction. Um, and then, of course, he would fucking leave. Of <laughs> yeah. fucking course he would leave. And then in the power vacu vacuum, Neil became vice president of Naughty Dog. It's it's just so it's just so ridiculous and everything that's happened with that studio. And just how, like, from, from I mean, we've read a lot of articles and literature about the whole situation there and leading up to last of us 2 and the development of last of us 2 and shit that jonathan cooper has said and all this stuff just an absolute like this one man took down this studio that ha has never been like j like a industry defining studio but has always been around and has always been a big player with like crash and kind of getting Sony off the ground in the game space to creating respect the respectable Jack and Daxter trilogy to creating probably their most forgotten IP at this point. I think Jack and Daxter is definitely the the weakest of all of their series in terms of overall cultural relevance yeah. and cultural footprint. And then they did Uncharted, which really kind of accelerated not only them into like being gaming, you know, you know, in the in the good graces of of gamers everywhere as well as with um as well as like being like oh here at playstation we do the cinematic like the super cinematic high budget movie style games that's what uncharted was always pitched as was it's like an indiana jones movie just yeah. 18 hours long and just is a, a a rip roaring adventure throughout the world with terrible gameplay yes with with not very fun game <laughs> gameplay and then obviously we get the last of us which a lot of people, yeah, yeah, which was, was yeah, super important. important. Game. Obviously, we both like Last of Us. A bunch yeah. of other people love it. I know uh, one of my good buddies, Sam, says it's his favorite game of all time. A lot of people say that. So, it's extremely important game. Excels them up to next level. And it looks like it's all going to come crumbling down. <laughs> yeah. Which is sad. Which is sad. You never want to see that. Well, the game, the game's reception might be fine. But I do wonder if they're not going to make another game for a little while because of probably a need to bolster their numbers again and hire people 
But I genuinely wonder if the Last of Us or if the Last of Us Two has basically shot their credibility as far as like be, being a studio you'd want to work at. Yeah. Oh, for because, sure. Because what's important is not necessarily the perception of it outside of games, but um. But as from yeah, from a developer perspective, is this a studio that I want to work with? Again, I brought him up earlier, Jonathan Cooper, who had this huge long Twitter thread. Um, My favorite thread of all. A time. few a few months ago, a, gr- a great th- great read. I'll uh. I'll link a video um, that I listened to yesterday. That's how I've been. That's why I'm familiar with it for today's show. Just happened to be listening to this yesterday. And the uh, and, and Jonathan Cooper said he's like, I left Night Dog because I want to work with the best. Night Dog is no longer the best with how they treat their employees, with the work environment. And I work with plenty of great people there, but the lead, there's huge issues with leadership. And it seems like the development development hell for Last of Us Two was a it was a disaster as far as behind the scenes go whether or not it actually turns out to still be a decent game we'll find out next week uh yeah but but the the thing i love is he ended it with the phrase a more senior team would have shipped the last of us two a year year ago ago, which speaks volumes if you know anything about the if you know a little just a little bit about the timeline of game development a, a pretty crazy statement to make but obviously he knows more than any of us. Being well, I, I will there. say this: Splatoon got out the door in like three, in like two and a half years. Like, I mean, you even look at like Splatoon two, which is a little over two years, and the turnaround on that yeah. was pretty is pretty and the, crazy. And the, the thing is, they were probably keyed in on you know because the NX was announced in 2015, roughly. So they were probably keyed in on the fact that like you're gonna make a sequel soon. We're gonna want that. Um, because the game sold well. It sold, yeah. most of its sales, I think, were in, like, the first month, first couple months. And so they were like, yep, last, er, Splatoon's a success, we want a sequel for the Switch. Uh, and they were probably able to pump it out super fast, um, because, you know, Nintendo's just an organized friggin' company. I mean, obviously Zelda gets delayed all the time, but, but Zelda games, I think, are, are a lot more complicated for them, since it, they're not really traditionally designed in the way that a lot of the other games are that they do. And obviously you have something like Metroid Prime, but Metroid Prime is not developed in-house. Yeah. Like, I imagine Breath of the Wild 2 will definitely come out sooner than Breath of the Wild 1. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. I, uh... I mean, and also, too, I want to say this, a perfect example of, like, a Nintendo, and obviously there's some other players that here, um, is, like, the Pokemon company and, like, Game Freak. Like, they put out a Pokemon game every fucking year. Yeah, and of course they crunch the shit out of those games. It, yeah, they, oh, they, of course, 100% they do, and, like, it's clear, it's fucking clear, looking at Sword and Shield, that that game, extreme, an overt amount of crunch, because it looks like they weren't even oh, p- prepared to do Pokemon on Switch that year. Yeah. Well, well, the other thing, I, I hate... Uh, there's a... Animal Crossing fans are sociopaths. We've talked about this, I'm yes. pretty sure. Um, but uh, there's a terrible, terrible tweet where it's like, Crunch, The Last of Us uh, 2, uh, employees d- leak the game. And it's like, no, Crunch, Animal Crossing, so wholesome. It's like, no, you're an idiot. That game was crunched to shit, and you know it. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know, because here's the deal, is I don't know when when development started on New Horizons. I'm assuming... No, they, well, they, they were smart, and they didn't tease that at all. They didn't say anything. They did say a new game was in development after revealing Isabel for Smash. Yeah. But that probably would have been early 2018. When, when the character was announced, like mid-2018, maybe. And so that means that the game's announcement was a year before its intended release date, I believe, uh, which was sometime in 2019, followed by a delay. Yeah, and the delay was announced at E3 going into 2020. 
Yeah, and and so that yeah, that's and so that's uh you know, and then I think they delayed it again close-ish to when it was initially supposed to release. I think it was by like a month. Not awful, but Animal Crossing got dated at that E3 for March twentieth, twenty twenty, and that that did not change. Okay, cool, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, so it's it's one of those things. Well, I, I, you know, no, don't. I'm not gonna talk about Animal Crossing. I'm not. Can I talk about a game that? is actually good for for once on this show uh because it feels yes. like all we do is talk about fucking bad shit so um so this week i played uh a, de- a demo specifically of a game called ultra kill and every year at least once a year a game just hits my radar completely out of the blue I give it a shot and I just fucking fall in love. And this is this is it for this year. Last year was Remnant. The year before that was I don't remember. Um, this is it. This is fucking it, guys. So Miles, let me pitch you this Ape fucking out, game. Probably right. Ape out was, was Ape, out. Ape out is an excellent game and got fucking snubbed so hard at the Game Awards last year. It's not even funny. That game of the best sound design wasn't even fucking nominated. Perfect example of how nobody plays anything. We'll, I'll rant about that in a second, but I want to talk about Ultra Kill. Ultra Kill, Miles, let me pitch this to you. Ultra Kill is in the trend that is I've I've so slowly noticed becoming more and more relevant on PC of games using a classic first-person shooter aesthetic. So like right. it's a low-poly style quake style game. Yeah, like uh like Dusk. Yeah, same uh, publishing studio. For, oh, okay. Uh, or Dusk. Devil Daggers, that's the other one. Uh yeah, Devil New Blood is the, the team who published Dusk and a bunch of other games, uh which I'll talk about them in a bit cuz they're relevant. Um but this is their new game uh that uh, one guy's doing I think I think his name's like uh Hakari, I think is his like uh developer name. He's making this game. It's Quake with Devil May Cry style character action shit. Okay. And it's beautiful. It's a fucking gorgeous, low poly, the fastest fucking game I've ever played. It runs at like 120 miles an hour and you just shoot the shit out of demons and you're scored on it. And there's like a a scoring system and it rewards you for using, you know, unique weapons and using your alt fires and you get, you have this slide. So you'll press like left control and you'll do like this, like you'll do the fucking vanquish slide and it's awesome. And you can do it infinitely and in any direction. And you get a, uh, a similar to the dash from uh, doom. You get an invincibility dash on your shift key. So you're basically always going at Mach fucking 12 and it's the game that, like, I'm like, okay, I'm learning mouse and keyboard now. I've waited long enough. I'm going to learn mouse and keyboard slow, so, solely to learn this game and so I can actually start enjoying first-person games on a more deeper level. Because the reason I wanted to bring this up on the show, and I want to talk to you about this, because I know you've always had issues with first-person games. In, yeah, on controller. You didn't really like Doom 2016. I didn't like Doom. I, I have to clarify. You didn't like didn't it because like of the way you played it. Yeah, I didn't like Doom 2016 on the controller. Yeah, for me, it wasn't that big of a deal because I always had just played games on a controller and like... Well, I, well did you play on normal? I th- Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did play on normal. Yeah, because everyone told me the game is... You have to play on, on Nightmare or, or whatever is like... Ultraviolence, I think. Ultraviolence the one is below, the last... Yeah. Yeah. The one below Nightmare. So I played it on Ultraviolence, which is basically hard mode. You know, easy, normal, hard, extreme is, yeah. is sort of how we do things. Um, and so I played it on hard mode and it was, I literally could not keep up with, with enemies in the area. Like I just could not, 
literally could not spin around fast enough to deal with 360 degree arenas. Yeah, that's how I, yeah, because I remember, because you're making me remember now, because I remember I booted up, when I played Doom for the first time in 2016, I booted it up on hard mode. I got until, I think, the third mission. I believe it was the mission in which, like, the pinky was introduced, and I was like, fuck, I just can't do this. I'm knocking this down to normal, and then I had a decent time throughout the rest of the game. Yeah, um, I I got far enough into ultra violence where I said if I give up now, I'm gonna hate myself. Yeah, yo, I I hate it. it it's what this is what happened with uh, Jedi Fallen Order because I started Jedi Fallen Order at the hardest difficulty. That game is unbalanced as fuck on that difficulty. But I was ten hours in. I was like, well, shit, I can't just knock. I can't. Oh, this can't all be for nothing, you know? I can't just put all this- like The Last of Us. <laughs> it's the the famous line at the end of the game. I, I just wish... I just fucking hate game difficulty, dude. I fucking hate it. Well, I will say, it. The Last of Us Part 2 does have a sliding difficulty system. Which, and, and I like what I've seen. I'm kind of into the idea of, you instead of having base difficulty modes, you tweak the options of, hey, how much more health do you get from enemies? What's the XP drop like? I know Dragon Quest did that with, like, you can control how much uh, XP uh, enemies and stuff give you. Well, what I like about Dragon Quest Eleven too, is that the hard modes on it are fucking weird. Because it's like, you can set a thing where it's like, I think there's an option where you can't run from battles. Um, that's an interesting one. There's one that's like, you will get a horrible rash and people won't want to talk to you. And it's just going to happen randomly. Uh, and I'm like, <laughs> that is a great idea. It's cool. It, like I, I like those interpretations of like interesting difficulty. I think is well, great. I, I always bring up. Um, I like MGS 5s uh, um, response system. I always like that one. Um, I'm trying to think of of other things like that really because it's not common. Um, because you have like scaling. I, I'm not big on scaling really, but I, I'm not a fan of leveling up in general. I, I, I think I think like leveling up in action games is is a huge crutch. And and I, I don't really like damage output based games all that much personally. Like I I mean FF seven R is, is a huge exception. Um but but that's cause that is such a clean mix of RPG. It's not it's not like, oh it's an action game, but we throw experience points at you. And like because I noticed in Kingdom Hearts, I don't notice when I level up. I just do. Yeah. Like versus like in, in seven R when I don't notice when I level up, but I do notice when my material levels up. I do notice when I get a new ability. And and so like I pay attention to those things versus the the numbers game I don't really pay attention to because yeah, that's I not like, important. I j- personally really like numbers in RPG and I love grinding and stuff. Well, um, I like grinding in a turn-based game because you can see the progression. But like I like gaining new abilities far more than just gaining EXP. Yeah, I can that that's pretty fair. My issue is this like perfect example of like a difficulty system done right obviously is like the original Devil May Cry, like, Dante Must Died is a different game than Devil May Cry Normal. Yeah, and, and it feels like the intended way to play, as opposed to some sort of tacked on, like, like, you have, you have, like, I, I hate when games do this difficulty, right? They'll mm-hmm. have, give me Deus Ex. I remember that in Human Revolution. Yeah. Give me Deus Ex. And it's, like, clearly the game... Okay, first of all, I just want to say, don't play Deus Ex on anything that isn't a PC or a Wii U. In fact, buy the Wii U version. I I love the Wii U version of Deus Ex. I've only played it on on PC. I've only played Deus Ex Human Revolution on PC, and I loved it. 
So the Wii U version, first of all, uh, you have the gamepad, which, you know, is great. But they also integrate the DLC into the game's story. But I hate the DLC. The DLC fucking sucks. I the, the other thing, too, is that it's the only version of the game where you can have a perfect Adam Jensen and you can have all the upgrades. You can get all the upgrades. Is it because of your time in the DLC? Uh, probably, yeah. Because the um, DLC fucked me. I actually lost levels from the DLC. So for those who don't know, in Deus Ex Human Revolution, you, you gain upgrade, you, you do bullshit, you gain upgrade points, and you get equipment. Like, you, you level up and you get augments because Jensen's a ro part robot. Um, in the DLC, which is on the boat, uh, it's like this three-hour cruise liner expedition. I did not know that was the DLC when I played. I was like, this is fucking weird. Like, th the game was cruising, and we just we just stopped for no reason to do do this boat shit. Um, I'm pissed. This is the reason I didn't finish the game, is because this dumbass boat. And I beat the boat. I was just so worn out from being on the stupid fucking Titanic cruiser. And, uh... What happens is you get it thrown in the boat. All your augments are completely removed. All your augments and shit are completely removed. And you have to gain those back. So you're basically back at square one. You don't got shit. Can't do anything. And you slowly work your way back up. You get more level up points, experience points on the boat. You can get like a oh, hacking level one, hacking level two back, a couple other shit. And when you beat the, the boat at the end, you get all your upgrades back. But only the ones you had. So if you rebought Hack 2, you don't get the points for that back. So you just, I just lost a bunch of, I, th I think I lost like one of my upgrades. I was like, okay, don't, don't have enough to buy that again. And it sucked. I am going to look for a mod that just removes that content from the game. Because I don't, I want to replay Deus Ex again, but I don't want to do the damn DLC. Fucking hate the boat, Miles. I hate it. Well, I, that's that's fair. Then yeah, just don't play Deus Ex at all. Um, no, play but, Deus Ex. Just don't don't play it with the boat. Don't, but don't, but play, don't the, play it on the console either because uh, it's horribly glitchy. And there was a time in which an entire mission despawned <laughs> all of it. Uh, the NPC despawned. I was stuck in a building. I literally could not access this content. Um, it was it was when you're in basically the China level. I believe Hong it's Kong. in yeah. China. Yeah, Hong Kong. Uh, there's like a nightclub and you're supposed to do like shit inside of the nightclub uh and and you claw crawl into the vents to o to overhear something and like that content was just gone <laughs> the man just wasn't there um and so so it, i couldn't beat it and i was like oh, this shit sucks this shit sucks um but but i like i haven't played any i think the last game that i played and i loved was 7r and then before that, it was Death Stranding. And I played a handful of games in between that. Oh, no, I, well, I played Fire Emblem afterwards. Um, like, I'm trying to think of, like, I, the, the problem is I'm not on PC. And that is gonna change. Let's talk about this. I've been waiting an hour and ten minutes to fucking talk about this right now. I'm just so fucking excited, dude. I'm so ready to play games with you again. Cause, and I want to talk about this. Oh, do you want to talk about Xenoverse? I do want to talk about Xenoverse. Xenoverse is... Those are some of the happiest memories of my life. Even though Mine that game is a nightmare. Yeah, so Xenoverse, uh, for those who don't know, is Dragon Ball Xenoverse. Came on, like, 2015. Specifically, I, it, was, it came out my freshman... No, it was, it's been out. It was out. But I bought yes. it my freshman year of college, like, a month and a half into my stay at school. 
Yes. The game was on sale for like 20 bucks on PS4. And then soon after you bought it. I did. Yeah, and then we, and that's a co-op game that we ended up playing, and it was uh, fucking great. Well, I remember we were both really into trophy hunting in that miserable, dark time in our lives. The, oh yeah, the awful, the awful, terrible, no good trophy hunting when I bought cat lateral damage. What was, what was your breaking point for trophies? Oh, my breaking point was, so my breaking point, which by the way, is in the, if you bought the, the, uh, the itch bundle, cat lateral damage is in the bundle. So you can see... The, la- the depths I went to, uh, cat lateral damage for those who know, it's a first person low poly art cat game, and once you do a bunch of nonsense for eight hours and get awarded a platinum trophy, I did that and I said, I'm done. I'm no longer do. I don't, this is no longer fun. I'm just doing this to get the platinum. But I remember very specifically, you also told me you were, you were in a, like a platinum Facebook group, something like that. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you said you saw someone basically subtweet you. Because there was a thread. I remember this very vividly. You said there was, there was basically people saying, like, hey, what are some easy Platinums? And someone said, somehow some guy got the cat lateral damage plat on day one in just eight hours. <laughs> and you were like, I'm done. It's, it's, uh, it's that kind of game. It's that, it's that kind of game. Uh, but there's so much Platinum bait. I fucking hate Platinum trophies. And here's the deal. Achievements are fun. And they can be fun. I just only for games you like and yeah. for games that don't have a shitty platinum, which by the way is very few. Sekiro is the only game I have platinum since the collateral damage controversy. Actually, I, was, I did, or I did it on Steam. I got all the achievements on Steam. I was going to platinum uh, 7R until I realized there was one platinum that required me to play through three chapters three times. And I was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah, it's dumb. It's so shitty. And like some of the, and they all, and like most games just have the one trophy that's just super obnoxious that kills them the whole fun. The the worst one I think was MGS5, which is like build a nuke. And that takes 24 hours of real time. So I had already beaten the game is the thing. And I had already gotten everything else. So I literally shut the game off. I was in college, so I wasn't wasting electricity. I, I, or I shut my TV off. I left it on. And it just baked on my PS4 for 24 hours. So, oh, I hate that. I hate it. I hate that. So, so I, I'm going to go through my list of Platinums. I'm, I'm going to pull up the site I haven't pulled up in a while. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember. So, and also I, I Platinum Severed, actually. Because Severed is one of the cool games where if you just 100% the game, you get the Platinum. Which, which is what it should be. So, wait, okay, what was the site? PSN? PSN Trophies. Trophies, thank you. So I'm I'm gonna go through my list of platinums right now, and and we are, we are gonna PSN profiles. That's PSN it. profiles, okay. Yeah, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna demonstrate the misery that I felt. Okay, so this this is going to reveal the sad life that was me in sophomore year. Um, I've completed 31 games, and uh, and it says per day I earned 1.27 trophies. I have 34 platinums. Never mind, I have a lot. Uh, okay. Give me, what was your first, what was your fir- first couple Platinums? So the first Platinum was Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Okay. Uh, and that was great, because I've played it a billion times. Yeah, so it was mostly cleanup for you at that point. Yeah, it was, yeah, I just had to do a handful of things I'd never done before, which was fun. Um, I got all the, the frogs, I got all the gecko, or, um, Keraton frogs. That was fun. And, and so, yeah, so that was a good time, and I did it in one day and 11 hours, so roughly a day and a half. Um... 
Hotline Miami was the second one. That took me two weeks. I couldn't get all the A pluses. I just didn't have the heart to do do all that shit. Yeah, well, then you're going to feel really bad when I tell you the next one, which is I got Hotline Miami Miami 2. Yeah. Four weeks, 19 hours. Uh, So that 420, baby. Baby. (laughs) Blaze it. Um, That is a good blaze it game, uh, considering the finale. Uh, But... Um, I beat it on hard mode and I got all the A pluses and I actually, I think I was on crack cause then I also got all the S ranks. I'll tell you, um, because my, cause I'll, I, cause I'm looking at this list and, and it's all in order and I'll tell you the exact moment I got the bug, the exact moment I got that platinum bug. Cause I started, so I got two platinums before college and it was Sly Cooper one because all you had to do is just get all of the collectibles and you get the platinum, which I do on every single one of my slide playthroughs. So all I did was just beat it on PC once I got it. Then I deliberately went out of my way when I was in, uh, at the end of my high school career to platinum the original Ratchet & Clank 1 because that's a pretty fun, easy platinum to get. The only thing that sucks is the get a million bolts, but there's a glitch you can do to get that. Then in college, I got Rocket Leagues, because Rocket Leagues you'll get if you just play the game enough. And then a few months later, in February, I got the Shovel Knight Platinum. And that's when it all all went fucking wrong. Well, I remember you challenged me very specifically to get more Platinums than you. Um, and And I was like, fine, I'll do MGS3, I can do that. Um, and then that's when I started doing games that I could platinum just because I knew them well enough. Yeah. Um, first of all, and I want to talk while we're shitting on The Last of Us, by the way. You got uh, The Last of Us platinum. As well I as Uncharted 1, 1, 2, and 3, right? I fucking did. And that was, those were some of the worst days of my life. Um, but yeah, so I got, I got MGS3 and I got KH because I've done that a couple times. I knew I could. Um, Shadow of Mordor, which I'd beaten on the Xbox. And then I got the Phantom Pain one. And the Phantom Pain one was a good time. Um, I beat that game in two weeks, uh, two weeks and six days, so almost three weeks. Um, after which I, I was trying to do the Resident Evil one and I wasn't having fun with it. And then I did Shadow of the Colossus, but I did Shadow of the Colossus on the PS4 on PS Now. Now. <laughs> and the game crashed on you a bunch of times, right? The game crashed on me after Agro died and mid Malice fight. You hate that fucking And do you ever want, do you ever it. want to feel less emotional impact? in your life then then let then watch aggro die twice in a row <laughs> after you've already seen it and you just got kicked out of the game um but i platinumed it with like a, a half second delay and the six or the 30 fps um basically so for whatever stupid reason they tied the ai of the colossi to their frame rate so in the original game it ran at like 15 fps <laughs> So now the Colossi are like on drugs and they just shake constantly. You can't friggin' stab them. It's so, so I, I did the time trials with that, with a half second delay and having gotten kicked out of the game several times. It, it ain't no, no fun. I might, yeah. I would like to see the, the trophy list for the remake. On uh, PS4. It's the same. It's basically the exact same list. Okay. I, I'm kind of interested because I've been kind of getting itching to play that. And that's the only version I have available to me. So I'm I kind of want to play through that again, Abe, to experience one of gaming's greatest fucking highlights, and also uh, to get that platinum because it is easy, and so, it lets you it just all you have to do is play the game, right? You just got to do everything. So here here is the moment where I wanted to die. Ready? Mm-hmm. 
I platinumed the Order 1886. Ooh! Oh! But rough. the thing is, I you played the Order 1886. Did you I reviewed you it. it. Yes. I bought it to get the platinum. I went to the CEX. You and fucking I bought the sinned. game. How much did you and pay I, for it? Uh, well, here's here was my thing. I was a genius. You sold it back? I bought the game for like seven bucks or something like that, right? Like, not yeah. much. But the thing is, I would go to CEX after buying it, and I would return it for store credit. Get another game. Return it for store credit after I platinumed it. But then that stopped, because I found a special little game, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But, but yeah, so, so after that, there was a couple games I just, like, platinum, but the order was the worst one. So I, I got Saints Row, because I always wanted to, and I got the platinum in that, and the DLC, platinum DMC, um, which, uh, which I, I got, you know, I beat Devil May, uh, Dante Must Die on the PS3, um, after having beaten it on PS2. Uh, then Dark Cloud came out, and I platinumed that in one sitting. Dark Cloud you did in one sitting? I was the first. I think the sixth person in the world to get the platinum. Oh, that's right, because it relaunched on on the PS4. It was when they were doing PS2 to PS4 games. Yeah, let, let me see. I think I think there is a way to see who is the first trophies. You know, I like Dark Cloud. I like that that game just doesn't give a fuck. Like you, no, can... Dark Cloud is fucking great. That's that's a favorite of mine. My problem is is that around the twenty hour mark, I was like, oh, I'm feeling it, and I got f- three more worlds to get through, and I couldn't do it. Yeah, so, oh, I was the 11th person to get the platinum in the world. Oh, jeez. Fucking high on the ball there. Let me pull yeah, up some of no, mine. Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's an accomplishment. So, so then, so, yeah, so, you know, my life continued and got the Biohazard Platinum RE7 uh, hat in time. A, a lot of these games I didn't even like. <laughs> um, so, but I, I remember specifically uh, we started playing Xenoverse together to get the platinum to it. Uh, and my platinum trophy hunting days ground to a halt. I think the most miserable platinums were the time I platinumed all three Uncharted games despite hating them all to bits. Yeah, just because they are... Here's the deal. They aren't... They're simple platinums, but they aren't easy platinums. Because you have to, play you have to beat crushing. them on the, the hardest difficulty. And those games aren't good. Balanced. Yeah. <laughs> or good. Actually, I like Uncharted 2, uh, genuinely. But they're not balanced and crushing. And crushing's a fucking miserable experience. Yeah, and then the other one I got was Dragon Ball Z Universe, which I got in February. I remember which took that three hundred hours, well. right? Uh, yes, something something like that. I did not get yeah, the platinum. And you, you made the right choice. I tapped out around this eighty hour mark, but still, I put eighty hours into a game. Great, most of that was because to bring it all back, we co op the good majority of that game. Yeah, it was a great co op experience. This is, I highly recommend the game if you can get it cheap with play, a couple of your play buddies. Play with a friend because we used to stay up till like five in the morning just yep. playing it together. Yeah, it was awesome. Great game. Great fucking best 6 out of 10 I've ever played. That's the thing. It is It is a 6 out of 10 game and a 9 out of 10 Dragon Ball game. Yeah, I mean, I would. I do kind of want to play the sequel, Xenoverse 2. I have it on PS4, if you want to get back to that. I, I'll never play it on PS4, but when you get your PC, I'll consider it for the say if it goes on sale for like 15 bucks. Fine. So the other, the other Platinum that was miserable was The Last of Us Remastered. I actually had to learn, yeah, I had to learn how to play that game online, because to get the Platinum, you have to do everything, including the online mode. And you have to put in 40 or something hours into the online. You have to do 12 weeks of the online game um, in survivor mode, basically. It's just a horrible fucking, horrible experience to fucking Platinum anything. So here's the thing, though. The moment that changed for me was I went to the CEX one last time. 
and I got myself a little game that I got as a meme. It was called Hatsune Miku, Miku Project, Project Diva. Diva F Second, baby! And we're all back, and we're all back around, because we heard yeah. the story from here. Yeah, in, in the, the Joe's Cafe episode. Yeah. And if you want to listen to that, go back to that. Uh, just to wrap up my list, because I didn't, I didn't finish exactly what I said. After Shovel Knight, I got the itch going, and this is why I convinced Miles to do all this shit. I got the Dust in Elysian Tail Platinum, which I know is furry shit, but it's a great game. Um, but then I got the Platinums back-to-back for Bastion and Transistor by Supergiant, both of which are games I like. I don't really like... I think Bastion's okay, but I really like Transistor. Then I got the Platinum for Teslagrad, which I remember getting because you don't need to get the Platinum. I'm sorry, you don't need to beat the game to get the Platinum. You just need to get the 36 items spread around. So I got all 36 items. I got to the final boss. The final boss was shitty and stupid. And I said, why am I even bothering playing anymore? I only got the Platinum anyways. So I didn't even bother finishing the game. It was a whatever puzzle game. I didn't really care for it. Then I got the Gravity Rush Platinum on Vita. That game fucking slaps. That's the best 7 out of 10 I've ever played. Um, I think that game is insanely fucking good and creative. And there's just a little thing on that back. I really want to play the remaster version on PS- uh, PS4. Then I got Guacamelee's um, trophy, which is super easy. Then I got the collateral damage. That's when I gave up. And then a couple months later, I bought Severed because uh, I like Guacamelee, uh, same studio. And I played uh, that and I 100%ed it and got the Platinum just because I 100%ed it. So. The, the thing is, I kept going because I had nothing better to do. Yeah. Um, and that was the worst time in my life. What do you got? You got gamer points for it. Is that, does that account for anything? I got gamer cred. Um, yeah, well, I don't remember when I... I think I stopped after Psychonauts because that's when I started doing YouTube videos. Which is a whole other fucking can of worms. We're not, we're not getting into the YouTube era, but... Well, no, no, clearly I wasn't because I... Well, no, I beat the Evil Within... Because I got the Evil Within Platinum, which involves doing the one hit and you die level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did that, but that was for fun because I was... I wanted to say I could do it. There was a couple games I platinumed because I thought they would be easy to do, but the last, like, actual game I bought to platinum was Psychonauts, which I'd done before. Uh, and that was the moment I realized I don't like Psychonauts that much. <laughs> that was a good game when I was 10. Is it worth a play? Because I've never played it. but I And I like 3D platformers okay. Yes. I think you'll find it charming. Yeah, I mean, I really liked the indie game Stick It to the Man, which is definitely Psychonauts-inspired. Yeah, well, well, it's Double Fine's art style. I I must have a copy, like, somewhere on one of these damn sites. I must have got Psychonauts for free, because it's on PC, right? Yeah, and, and they try to give it to you to, for free all the time. Yeah, I'm surely, surely. I, I, it's not in my library right now, but surely I have it in some form or another. Yeah, so definitely... definitely... Play Psychonauts is like 10 hours, and it's fine. It's an okay game. Uh, if, if It's it's fun the first time, and then every time you revisit it, it's not that fun. <laughs> because the gameplay is not good, really. It's fine. And if you know all the jokes and all the comedy, it, it doesn't quite hit the same. Yeah, it's... It, it, I'll, I'll get back to you guys in a few weeks. I will I say have... that it is the Diamond is Unbreakable of 3d platform you need a fucking chill we got a couple questions i want to get through um okay hit me two simple two two real quick ones uh first uh at spooky underscore coco asked which anime trope do you wish would disappear forever outside of lollies which aren't really a trope they're a character archetype i'll give you mine okay hit me i'm so fucking sick 
of the high school romance where they don't get they don't do anything until the end of the series. They don't get involved in a relationship until the end of the series. It happened in Just Because. It happens in countless other fucking shows. I hate it. It's super obnoxious. And it just makes me watch these two people be like, are they going to do it or not? And it's not even like Love is War, where like Love is War, that's the point, is the game. It's the game. And they never get together, and that's the point. I hate when it's like, oh, are they going to get together? Oh, they did it, but they didn't, and they did, and it's over. I hate it. Shit sucks. Okay. Uh, oh, I think mine is a more anime-specific one. Very specific to anime. Okay? Uh, and, and this is this is something that, that kind of will always, always get me. I don't know why. It's a shounen trope. Okay. Um, but I I never want to see another character suddenly gain the powers of another character. Never want to see it. I didn't think it was hype when Jotaro learned the world, okay? <laughs> I didn't get hype at any of the times, like, when Mob Psycho 100 was like, oh, here is a psychic character. Oh, here are 13 other psychics! They're all equally powerful. It's like, no, the fun part of Mob is that Mob is so, is, is an anomaly. That was when yeah. the show was fun. Now it's not fun because everyone's flinging each other around. Yeah, or like when, or like a, a perfect, literally the perfect example is when Deku gets the All Might's power. All for one. Yeah. Like, and I'm, I don't want to see it. I'm uh, One for all is the name of the power, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, all for one, all for one is the enemy's power. Um, yeah. But I hated it in My Hero because I look at his, I look at Deku's class, class of 1A. And I'm like, look at all these motherfuckers who got super interesting powers, and we're following the super strength kid. Yeah, like that's not fun. Here, here's what I here's what I always proposed. Right, you don't you don't have a like. I I love the the echoes. I love echoes power where he's not strong. He just psychologically overwhelm you. Yeah, like it's a cool. It's fucking cool. Yeah, like, it's just I like cool. that. And that's one thing I will give part five about JoJo is part five by far has my like favorite fights of the series I've seen thus far. I love all like most of the battles because I like that the team has kind of shit stands. I like that Sex Pistols kind of sucks. Yeah, Sex Pistols is bad, and Mista gets shot every eight seconds. It's so good, dude. And Mista, Mista always has to do, like, Mista does the most work, and he has the shittiest power. Yeah, like, which, is to, which is constantly getting literally reflected back in his face. <laughs> um, Someone did the math, and Mista gets shot, on average, once every four hours. <laughs> Because it takes place over eight days. It takes place over a week, yeah. Poor, so, poor, poor fucking Miss Mista. Mista and then gets got, shot once every four hours. Yeah, and then you have, like, uh, and then you have, like, a Bakio stand, which is, like, he can, like, rewind a He's person's useless. actions. Yeah. Um, which is very particular. Uh, or then you have Naranches, which is just a little biplane. Like can a little I, can I just plane. say real fast that, the, that when they fly the plane using Moody Blues, the plane should have been flying backwards, don't you think? <laughs> That would have been a great, like, bizarre moment where the plane flies facing the opposite direction. That, I don't know. Planes don't work like that. Well, no, but but it's a stand. He's recreating the pilot, right? The pilot's actually... But he's recreating the pilot who flew to the island. I guess, yeah, he to. flew there and back. So, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Um, all right, fun. But, like... You know, this would have been funny. Um, yeah, like, I... But I, I just I fucking 
hate when a character gets the powers of another character to beat them or one of them. I think it's so fucking lame. Because, and it's different when, like, it's a, ca- a, a character who has mastered something. We both have the same ability, right? Like, something like, we are both rivals. We both train in the same school of power. Yeah. But I gained this ability because I am, I have mastered it. I am better than you. And then someone is like, I have to learn this. I have to adapt this very quickly within this battle or I'll die because it's the only thing I encounter. Like, I don't mind that when there's a logic to it, but like, oh, it's the same type of stand as star platinum. Well, so my, first of all, let me, I'll give you my theory. Here's my, here's my crackpot theory explaining the world is my theory is that the world is not this time stop. Let me say that time stop is not Dio is not the world's power. The world's power, or Dio's whole gimmick, I think, is Dio has all the stand power of the Joestar family, and that the and that time stop is really jo- Star Platinum's ability. Um, the entire time that Jotaro just didn't know how to use because he's new to fucking stands and he can punch, and that's Maybe. he just yeah. And also, like Jotaro does do some shit where he's like, I like the theory that Jotaro used time stop, but he didn't know he was doing it until Dio did it. And also, Dio also has the passion. Or he also has like purple, a purple hermit style um, stand as well. That is, well, yeah, which is implied to be Jonathan's. Yeah, and I like the idea of like he has all the abilities of like the Joe Star, like bloodline up to that point, and that like the world, the, the time stop is all Jotaro's power all along. That that's makes, the, that's that's that, a good theory. That that's good the theory. way I describe it to make me not lose my fucking mind and cry at it's the same. Same type of stand as Star Platinum. By the way, great. My favorite JoJo meme of all time is uh, it's it's a two pick, and the first pick is 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 Shigechi, and he's like, my stand Harvest is awesome, and it can create five hundred multiples and do simple tasks, and then it's Jotaro who says, oh, so it's just like it's the same type of stand as Star Platinum, and there's seven thousand Star Platinums behind him. That that is a good one. Um, yeah, well, it, it would it would be like if like I because I like I like opposites i like characters who are like oh this is something only i can do and i will best you doing that thing that's so much more interesting than than you're right your power is objectively better it's mine now because that's the only way i can win like fuck off like i i, I hate that shit yeah I hate that, just, shit. that just sucks and then one more question before we head off tonight it's my buddy lucas Piscaric at la Piscaric. what if your fave protagonist was dropped in other universe. So, Miles, who do you want? What character do you want to see dropped in another universe? My favorite character? Not a, it has to be a protagonist. Is that right? Yeah. It says, yeah. He says, your fave protagonist. So, who's your favorite protagonist? Well, it would be Cloud. So, where do you want Cloud to go? I would love to see Cloud dropped into the plot of Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> and just see what happens? Yeah, and, and, just, and just have him butt heads with Squall. God, that sounds that sounds fucking funny. It would it would actually be pretty great. Um, but I'll try to think of something else as well. Um, honestly, like I'll just go with. So I want Sonic. Let's. Where do we want to drop Sonic? Uh, let's drop him in Wreck It Ralph. No, um, no. Let's drop Sonic into Lord of the Rings. Oh, oh, I know, I know. <laughs> drop Sonic into Lord of the Rings, but he has Excalibur. All right, okay, Black Knight Sonic in the Lord yeah, of the Black Rings. Yeah, Black Knight Sonic in Lord of the Rings. And and he is going to take on Aragorn's position, or or uh, Boromir. One of the, probably Boromir, honestly. He's more of a Boromir kind of character. Yeah, okay, I'm going to pick a weird one. All right, so I would like to see Cloud Strife 
I would like I would like to see him dropped into Resident Evil. <laughs> Just him hack him hack and slash all the zombies. And yeah, shit. but specifically, I want him dropped into uh, Resident Evil Five. <laughs> 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 with like the hundreds of thousands of zombies. Yeah, in, in like this dumpy African village. <laughs> Just fucking rip and tear, baby. Yeah, rip Yo, and let's drop let's drop the Doom Slayer in Harvest Moon. Oh, and he has to get like a normal job. Yeah, that'd be pretty fun. Well it's interesting because my one of my favorite characters is is Satania, as I've mentioned. I find her precious and endearing, even though I would she would probably be the most annoying thing alive in real life. Where do you want to drop Satania? Well, the thing is, I see a lot of crossovers with Doom and Satania. In her, yeah, I've seen yeah. I've seen a few a few too. Where, it's where, always where, cute. and it's and they come in two flavors, which is Doom Guy hunts her down for people who really like bullying, and Doom Guy finds her too endearing to do anything with for people who waifu her. Yes. Where where do you fall on the line there? Which do you prefer? Do Doom Guy? I like. Doom guy killing her, not because I support or endorse Satania bullying. It's just that I like the fact that Doom guy cares about one thing, and it's killing demons, and that's it. I, I, I will argue though after Doom Eternal, where it's clear that he's very well read and very literate. I, I also like this too. I like the fact that Doom guy is smart and he's badass and he kills demons. And the best, truly, like the best moment in 2016 is when Samuel Hayden, who's the big robot guy, who's the narrator, pops on the phone with Doom, Doom guy, and he's like, "Bro, bro, you gotta do this shit for me." And he just takes his computer, and just slams it against the wall, and doesn't give a shit about the fucking plot. I love that the new the new Doom has like Dark Souls levels of lore and the main character is like literally gives zero shit. Yeah. I but I I like the idea that since he's well read, he would be like this character is not a threat. <laughs> and and in fact, she's kind of cute. Well, I, and I will I will ask another thing though cuz like what what is your favorite unlikely crossover as far as like cuz people do this shit all the time. My favorite unlikely crossover that actually happened. I mean, like one one that actually happened. One that actually happened. Uh, well, Ellie Noir and Sonic happened in fan fiction form. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, like like in official media. In official media, like, like how like like Space Jam happened. Or, oh or like, yes, well, well, first of all, let me say this. Can you fucking believe that they dead ass in the mid nineties had a had a movie starring Michael Jordan, the most well regarded basketball player of our time as well as then along with the entire cast of Looney Tunes characters and they called the movie fucking Space Jam yeah like that's weird right well I will I, I have a really interesting thing that I learned have you do you know the movie Cats Don't Dance yes okay so Cats Don't Dance was originally a an, an animated film in the the style of Roger Rabbit starring the Looney Tunes and it featured Michael Jackson oh okay uh, and eventually they split the movie in two parts. One was Cats Don't Dance, and the other one was Space Jam. And then, oh, okay, and that's how they kind of got the, yeah. the whole gimmick idea. Plus with the commercials with uh, uh, Bugs Bunny and uh, uh, Jordan for selling Jordans. Also, fun fact, uh, the song Ya Buggin', at the credits theme, <laughs> written by Jay-Z. Oh, that's wonderful. Fantastic. Isn't it? Fun fact, did you know Drake... Uh, allegedly did the spider riders opening on uh canadian tv i didn't actually i it's it's up in the air whether or not i did but it fucking sounds like him well there's 
there's the famous uh the other the other famous one is is Quentin Tarantino writing It's Pat. That's another of mine. <laughs> as well as M. Night Shyamalan writing Stuart Little Two. But those are not crossovers. Gotcha. To be now fair. I will say this. So 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 for real crossover that happened, the Sonic and Mega Man comic, I think is awesome. That I is think it's fucking is sick as fuck. For crossover I want to happen. This is more of a this is less of a crossover, more of a mashup. I I've had this idea for a while. I'm like, what if I rewrote Reservoir Dogs but all the re- but all of the characters had stands? <laughs> I would I would but they all have like in intelligence based stands. Yeah, they all have a like a spirit. Like not no punch ghost, but like they all have like stand power. They have stand powers as opposed to a stand. Yeah. Specifically. Although uh, they'll, they'll like have, uh, it's like it's more part 7 than like Part yeah, a little, a, yeah, a little more yeah. uh, than that, because I don't need them punch. The punch ghost is unnecessary uh, in Reservoir Dogs, but I'd be like, this would be a funny hysterical. Like, I-, I love JoJo and I like Reservoir Dogs, so here's Reservoir Dogs, but with stands. That that is a that is a great idea. My favorite one is Boktai meets Mega Man from Mega Man Battle Network. Oh, that's right. The sun is in your hands now. Yeah, and and so Boktai, Django, is just on the internet. Even though he's a person, he's just capable of being online in the inner in the tubes, in the series of tubes that is the internet. And the best part about it is that since Boktai is produced by Kojima, Hideo Kojima shows up in Battle Network Four. <laughs> I did not know this. Yeah, no, let me, hold on, let me, let me get you the picture. There, there's a picture of, um... Of fucking Kojima in the yeah, Battle Network and, and style? It looks, yeah, and it looks just like him. Yeah, he's in Battle Network 4, and he's wearing, like, a bandana. <laughs> it, it looks, it doesn't look exactly like him, but it looks, it looks a lot like him. Yo! <laughs> there he is, baby! Oh, we'll put that, we'll put, we'll put the, we'll put this on, on our Twitter, uh, which you can, of course, follow us at... Miku's Crackhouse on Twitter. Until next time, this will be the end of our show. Miles, do you have anything to say to the people? Yeah. I'm so sick of fucking having to bleep this out every episode. <laughs> oh just, my god. You can just cut. You can just cut that. Um, never. <laughs> uh, the only thing I want to say is next week, uh, we're gonna come at you with some Last of Us Part Two. Uh, discussions. Bring this arc to an end. Bring this arc to an end, and then and then let's never ever talk about The Last of Us ever again. Anime thighs when she opened up so wide, I got a twinkle in my eye. Asian pussy is so tight, I just really want a pipe. Oh my gosh, she got them big ass titties, she's only five. Anime thighs when she opened up so wide, I got a twinkle in my eye. Asian pussy is so tight, I just really want a pipe. Oh my gosh, she got them big ass titties, she's only five. Bitch, I'm about to fuck this cutie, so I whip out my katana And I knock this little bitch out with just one hit like I'm Saitama Why you act like you retarded, like little bitch, I don't want drama I still hit when she says no, don't understand what she don't wanna, ayy Sword fighting with my penis like I'm in a fucking dojo All these bitches want me like my name was fucking Jojo Asian penis is too tiny like it was a no-show Bitch, don't watch your coochie, watch anime with the bros, though Say my motherfucking bitch, I might pull up, give those thighs a little motherfucking kiss And man, if you talking shit, tell Ryuki you on a list Yeah, your sister is my groupie, she take this anime Dick. Okay, okay, like little bitch, I don't care if that fat ass is too deep. Score a bounty on that pussy, you can call me Spike Lee. Putting out fire, getting ice, bitch, I'm Todoroki. And if you got some shit to say, then you can say it to me. Anime thighs, when she opened up so wide, I got a twinkle in my eye. Asian pussy is so tight, I just really want a pipe. Oh my gosh, she got them.